Alright, so another episode, episode number two. We have a new guest with us today. Yes. Adeline. Hi. Yes. Do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Adeline. I am now currently working in automotive manufacturing industry um, as a business development person. So yeah, that's pretty much a short intro. <laughs> a little bit of background about Adeline, I think. Uh, she came from PR and then agency life, doing all sorts of things from client servicing to operations, basically fixing everything around, around the office. Now she's fixing everything around the corporate. So interesting transition from agency into big corporates. Yeah, uh, I think to backtrack a little bit, I actually studied psychology. So mm. I thought I'm going to come out to be a therapist, but then it didn't work out. So I thought, okay, let's try communications. Hence that PR and agency. Life. You're still doing that in your life, right? In your I do that too every every. The my friends, <laughs> my friends, at the therapy in a coffee shop or whatever. You sit at the coffee shop like, next, <laughs> what's your issues today? That's how the conversation in the coffee shop turns out to be like two, three hours instead. So which is harder to fix, people or companies? People, because uh, people are so complex, right? At least companies are all about just numbers and problems and situation. Of course, there's no one way to do things, but I think people is more complicated. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, of course. Even in management, right? What? So getting trying to get twelve signatures is easy. <laughs> is is it than fixing twelve childhood traumas? Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, people are generally more complex because it's based on your background, who your parents are, your grandparents, your friends, where you study. So all these things shapes how a person live their life and think and do things. So that's more complicated, obviously. Right. I kind of want to touch a little bit about how how that helps, right? Because not not many people start from psychology and then transition into business and more so in, in the corporate. Do, do you think it changes how you look at people and situations because of your background in psychology? Yeah, I think it does a little bit. Especially, um, not to say I would have more empathy for people, but it's just when I look at some someone or the situation, I wouldn't want to jump into the conclusion about how this person might think. Maybe when you face a scenario, when you look at that person, you would think that, oh, this person must be bad. He must be greedy. That's why he think of it this way or that's why he do things this way. But in fact, let's rewire that a little bit and look at what's the real motive and intention behind that. Then you can get more information. Because you know people so well, have you ever manipulated people? It's like, oh, I know what triggers him. I know what motivates him. It's not a manipulation, <laughs> okay? It, it's more on understanding that person's behavior. Then you probably know what's the motive behind the behavior and how you would try to push the conversation towards what you want. Yeah, see, that's not manipulation. That's just marketing as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 correct. Uh, marketing is all about psychology as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes consumers are dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, right? How's the transition like from, I think from the service side, from the agency side, going into the client side, the corporate side? Um, obviously, agency, in my opinion, right? It's, it's, it's more laid back. I think it's more lax, right? Because 
agencies can be a startup, it can be a corporate agency too, in fact. But because of the culture and environment in that industry, it's more, um, people are more open as well, right? To, to take in feedbacks or ideas go wild sometimes. You, you, you don't have too many frames or boxes to be in. Wait, so, so corporate's not like that? Corporate is very, very strict. Box. Like, it's very boxed up sometimes. Like you're skewed towards thinking in a certain way, right. right? So why is that? It's also maybe because of the type of industry you're yep. in, the business, the business itself. Yep. Like if you're in construction, it's very traditional business, and this is how you're boxed to think about. Do you think that's more efficient? Point. I mean, that's probably why corporate wants to systemize in the first place, right? Do you actually think it brings efficiency? Yes and no. Yes and no. It depends, right? It can be efficient in a certain way. It can be inefficient. Um, like, for example, now people are all talking about AI mm. going faster than ever. Yeah. But can a person that actually do construction and build houses go AI? That's the question. Right? Yeah, can yeah. we actually do that? Maybe we can. Imagine that chat GPT. Your 20 years computer. down the road, maybe. Like the robot will be telling you, hey, that particular bricks, 5CM or whatever, is not right. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's down the road. Interesting. So I, I come from the opposite, right? So I come from corporate to agency. And at least that's the only way I've imagined how, how a career would, would, would have progressed. If you were to meet a fresh grad today, and because you have exposure from both sides, and say, hey, you know what? I would love to be exploring both sides, the corporate side and the agency side. Which would you advise the person to start with? I think yours is a great combo, to be honest. Because I think young people need to have knowledge into knowing what's the rules, how to run things, mm. how to do things properly, what's the SOP, all these things. And these things, sometimes, you don't get to learn in a startup or in an agency, right? Because agency is so wild, like, like oh my god, I just do whatever I want, so as it works, right? But in corporate, like you, before, you get to know how do you do things properly, how do you think properly, the processes. So then when you bring those knowledge into an agency, I think that works better. Right. right. So you, you get started with the discipline, the structure. Right. So you, you don't keep on banging the wall and waste your time or even effort, I, I think. Do you, do you think like um, those big four agencies, right? They're too you mean in, in media or in yeah. accounting or what? Media, media. Mm -hmm. Do you think they're too boxed up? They're too... Or do you think they're still fairly flexible? I wouldn't know much because I'm I am not too experienced yeah. in that what do you think from personal experience working with the big network agencies I I actually think it's, it's quite a good balance because the big network agencies have a lot of SOPs and process and structures and often it feels very limiting to be working with them but it does allow for a young fresh grad to fit in the role and learn exactly Yes. what they need to know, just enough to do the work yes. pretty, pretty well. Mm. So I, I, I do think that they are more corporate than they are startup-y, just because there's so many processes, there's so much processes around it already. Mm. Processes can be good, right? <coughs> so it's just um, pros and cons and see how, how far you're going with it. Mm. I think to run a company, obviously you need processes in order to make it work. Yeah, true. 
Uh, I have no clue about network agencies, but I I kind of assume that there's probably a mix between the two. Um, I mean, you, you, you sort of need to be creative, right? Like um, in the field that we're in, you need to be flexible enough that you can think outside the box, do crazy things and adapt to new platforms and whatnot. But like you also like given that it's a big company, you would need processes to make sure. To mitigate a lot of risk. Risk management is very important. I was going to say that I feel when coming from a corporate my, from my corporate experience, I would wish to have someone with your startup agency while background. While building crazy. <laughs> before they come into corporate. Because we, we needed the injection of energy, we needed the injection of, of fun, of wild ideas, right? So just hire Gen Z's then? Yeah, but, with the, but I'm not sure if Gen Z's can fit into the structure. So someone who have gone through the beginning years, developing their career in that agency while mindset, plucking them into corporate, yeah. assuming the person, him or herself, can adapt into the corporate red tapes. It could be great as well. Yeah, that wow idea is amazing. That's a great combo as well. Yeah, that's oh. an amazing combo. Meaning two ways work. Kind of work. Yeah, yeah it right. just depends on that person. Fair. Fair. Do you think that works for Scribble? Do you think... So, based on the people that we have today, I think we've hired people from corporates. Um, We've hired people from the client side. We've hired people from agency side. I think client and agency works out really well just because they know what to expect and what the clients expect. Corporate in corporate into us typically don't do so well because they won't know how to start without the structure and the process. Mm, because they are so like, oh my God, so boxed up. This is how I should be thinking. Where's my SOP? And now to go, wow, like, I'm scared. Yeah. They yeah. might be scared. They're barely half a foot out, right? I'm like, oh, is this wild enough? Is this wild enough? Is this wild enough? <laughs> so you, you don't actually they, go... They always need to check, like, oh my God, is, is this correct? Just, I need my approval. I'm just imagining that, like, they're doing something and like, they're checking, like, is this wild enough? Like, yeah, yeah. we don't know. And you're always looking at all your back, right? Like, am I doing anything? Am I directing? Am I doing anything? So I, I, I don't think corporate into agency works out well. Of, of course, it depends on people, right? I think some people would be a, a lot more adaptable and they're maybe already fun and wow even while they're in corporate. So maybe that would work, work out better. But a typical corporate employee coming into agency, I, I don't believe it will work out. Yeah. Well, I hope you're not calling out anyone. No, I, I, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to... He himself is a corporate to agency kind of background. Well, it's, worked they, it's worked out, it's worked out. Yeah, it's worked out. Unless they adopt, right? I think maybe what, I, what would be more accurate to say is that it's a harder transition, right? So it's a lot easier for someone from agency to come into Scribble. It's a lot easier for someone from the client side to come into Scribble. It's a lot harder for someone from pure corporate to come into an agency life. Yeah. Yeah, but once they transition, obviously then their corporate experience is invaluable to, yeah. to yeah. corporate. It's true. Because sometimes when you're too long in corporate, you forgot to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. You don't know what fun means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. You don't even know what fun means. Is that, in, is that yeah, your case? I, I think sometimes um, I lost track too. Like, I will ask myself, is this creative enough? Or where's the fun me that I used to know? Right. Sometimes you lost track on that. Like, is, is it age catching up or is it just the corporate life yeah. eating into me? Yeah, yeah. I think it's both. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm thinking about it, like, 
there's there's quite a fair bit like people like Ben and whatnot that where they've they've been in agency their whole life and they're they're still young creative and that well in terms of energy right they're still pretty much that compared to I guess like um, someone that is corporate like you you definitely look and feel old as soon as you you're in that itch yeah 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 it's kind of yeah, it's normal. I've, I I think I've talked to you about this before. Like how I'm still in my early, late twenties. I'm in my late twenties. Um, I'm still early, in my early thirties. Oh, so... Wait, which one is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, I'm, I'm at 30. He's like a big wish version to, to cut. Yeah, I'm at 30. But like, I told Roger before that I felt like, I think the, the Adeline that he knew maybe six, seven years ago, it's so different. It's gone, really. I don't even recognize myself seven years ago, maybe. Nah, well, I feel the same. I still think it's about the same. Just the essence of me. It's just slightly smarter. I'm I'm joking. I'm not not sure if that's a compliment. (laughs) But but is that that personality thing? I think maybe now I'm more reserved. Right. Yeah, because in, in my job, I think in corporate, you know that you always have to watch what people say and you watch what yourself say. It's often better to not to not say it than to say the wrong thing. Correct, correct. Because every single word would lead to another thing. Yeah, will, yeah, can and will be used against you. Correct, correct. That's why I'm very careful about what I say sometimes nowadays. Do you think it would be different if you stayed in agency? Yes, it would definitely be different. Because I think when you're in agency, um, well, of course, in the business aspect, you know what to say, what not to say for your clients. But in terms of a personal, personal interaction with friends and peers, it would not be so restrictive. I feel, right? But in corporate, it every single thing you say might go into your disciplinary action or whatnot. So I think that's the difference. Hey, we don't don't we have that in the agency as well? I think the, the margin the, the, the margin is much bigger. The scale in corporate is much... So if you swear in an agency, you're not going to get in trouble. If you swear in corporate, someone could call you out and then yeah. that becomes a harassment yeah. issue some, suddenly. It's, it's it like, might go into harassment or code of conduct or whatever. Okay, fair enough. I was, I was thinking like streaking inside the office. Like, <laughs> like no, that's just you being crazy. <laughs> Un- unimaginable in corporate. Yeah. yeah. People, people probably send you like, oh my God, that person probably need counselling and they can't come to work for the next month. Yeah. So you're in the manufacturing field at the moment. Mm-hmm. And what, what does that, what do you actually do? <laughs> okay. Uh, so as a business development person yep. in the manufacturing engineering, uh, my job is to basically help the company to explore opportunities in and out of the countries in um, whatever that is current business or new business. Like current business, probably um, in my field, we are very automotive uh, centered company. So current business automotive, maybe I have to be looking at new partners or new technology or whatever it is in the automotive market. And then besides that, I would hope to also have to explore other avenues. Like, should I go into constructions? Should I go into um, AI? Oh, you know, oh really? It, it, can, it can be anything. As long as I can utilize 
all my manufacturing companies yep. in the group to create something new that's that's possible too. Wait, is that it's that flexible? Like you yeah. can you can actually just go into a new field and just Well in business development basically whatever that you propose makes money. Okay. okay and it's sustainable Fair for enough. the next ten years. Mm-hmm. Looks good on papers. Why not? So it's not so bad then. So automotive isn't isn't a boundary then. You you no, you acknowledge that automotive is your current business. Yeah. When you're looking out at new business, mm-hmm. it could be property development if it, as long as it makes sense. You can build a tank. Right. You can build a plane, aerospace. That's just one of those. Oh. That's really fun. Okay. Okay, so it it can happen then. It can happen. It just need to look good on paper and then and the feasibility study goes well. Great, do it. So one of I, I think one of the biggest in driver of innovation or one of the biggest change in business model has always been China, right? And I'm sure you have a lot of exposure with China. Mm-hmm. How how is that landscape different? Wow, so different. So different. I think one of the reasons why they are who they are today is that it's unimaginable. Like Whoever they are today and whoever they are five years ago, 10 years ago, so, so different. Like for us, maybe you would see a construction on the road five years ago, five years later, it's still there, right? <laughs> right? Just to give it an example comparison. In China, what you see last year and what you see this year is completely different. It's a different city. They move so fast to the point that you, you, you barely even blink an eye. Like for example, COVID, right? Post-COVID and uh, sorry, pre-COVID and post-COVID, it's a different scene. Yeah. So I would say the landscape is oh, 360 different than Malaysia. 360 or 180? Completely oh. different. Completely different. Yeah, it's a different... Cycles. It's a, they, they have maybe 30, 40 years ahead of us. Damn. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I saw like TikTok, right? Um, it was basically this guy talking about like doing lives and stuff like that. And he was saying that, you know, whatever China is doing, we're probably like five years behind. And like live, they've been doing live uh, for so many years now. Mm-hmm. And now like Southeast Asia has sort of started to adapt yeah. to live shows and selling. So I, think, I think Southeast Asia started live shows maybe... Because of COVID. Because of COVID. Pre-COVID we had it, but it's not. It's not as big. Yeah. Yeah. Now in China, like your friend said, every day is live. That's tens and hundreds of millions of live for you to watch and buy mm-hmm. things. And it's their platform and it works, yeah. right? You earn millions from doing one live. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. But it's also because it's maybe the, 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 the popularity, uh, I'm sorry, the population there as well, yeah. because there's so many people, right? Even though if you do one live and you just charge one ringgit, there's one million viewers, you surely get a million a night. Mm. It's normal. It's, yeah. it's not something crazy over there. Yeah. What's the population there? Yeah. Do you know? I have no I don't know. Oh Call me off guard. Huge. Billions. Yeah. Definitely in the beast. What's the second biggest, right? Oh. India is the biggest. Is... Sorry. India is the second biggest. Yeah. China is the biggest. After China is India. Yeah. Right. Okay. Followed by Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That's pretty big too. Mm-hmm. In the hundreds so, of millions. Yeah. Malaysia is so behind it. Very. Small. That's why you can, you, there's so, there's so many millionaires in China. Yeah. You know, overnight millionaires. Normal. What is what is it like doing business over there? Hmm. <laughs> uh, are you saying in terms of like culture? Yeah, let's go with culture. Like, 
So for example, right, if if we were to go there and we wanted to set, you know, set up an agency there, what are we looking at? Like what should we be aware of? I think besides the normal business landscape of getting your clients or your ROI and whatnot, all this accounting stuff, it's also very important for you to understand them as a person, right? right? Their culture, their language. So, you know, like how you do business with the Koreans, the Japanese, the Taiwanese, it's all different. It's based on their culture. So um, with the Chinese, you need to really read through the lines sometimes, right? So their words and sentences might sound good to you, but actually they meant differently. They're not as straightforward and direct. Wait, is, is, that, is that just because, oh, you mean that's deliberate or is it because we just don't understand it? Um, one thing, of course, we don't understand the Chinese way of speaking. Yep. Right? One is the language. Yep. Second is the, the sentences that they form. Yep. You might think that, oh, that sounds so good. So does that mean that she agrees with my proposal? No. Yeah. He might just be very polite to tell you yeah. that I like your idea, but it's not me. Yeah. It doesn't fit for me. Yeah. So that takes a lot of practice and getting to know that person in order to know uh, what is it really. Yeah, it's definitely very different to Western. Yeah, yeah. Of course, in the Western culture, I say, no, I don't like it. And so I don't like it. Can you refix the proposal? Straightforward, sure. right? We would know, okay, let's just go fix it and come back again. Yeah. But with the Chinese... They won't. They will not tell you that. Yeah. They won't say your proposal sucks. I would not consider you. They won't say that. Actually, it's very similar to here. Then, like, I mean, like, at least in Malaysia, I feel like we get fifty-fifty. So you've got one part where you know it's very polite, like they're just trying to please and just make sure that you know you're not butt hurt. Mm-hmm. But then you have the other side where they're like just full on, like, okay, your proposal is shit. Uh, come back with a new one or whatever. But I feel like most of the time it's very... I think we are, yeah, we are nice, right? But another thing that I want to pull out is that, for example, with the Chinese, for example, you have a meeting with this person for a business deal, but he asks you for lunch instead of dinner. That means differently. Oh, what does it mean? I don't like it that much. Yes. It's a protocol for me to just feed you. You know, you come all the way here. It's my culture to be polite, to put, yeah. to give you. But food. it doesn't mean that I'll serve you dinner. Right. So it's kind of like dating then. Like, okay, I'm not too sure about you. You really need to read. Yeah, 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 yeah. You really need to read. Right. And let's make something happen. Yeah. Also, need to read what they serve you to eat. Do they serve you fish? What? 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 What's What's the difference? Like, yeah. what's sometimes? So, what should I be happy about? If they serve you fish. That's very right. good. Is that like prosperous? Yeah. Yes, there's a certain fish that represent certain meaning. Right. So these are the kind of thing that we need to really re- see through, read through mm-hmm. the lines, and read the dinner table. Like, what kind of drinks are they serving you? Are they serving yeah. you baijiu, mao tai? Right. If you're being served baijiu, mao tai, congratulations. This is, this is you're, yes, you're in there. You're in there. Thanks. Sounds like we, we, we can play a game, right? So I'm going to name a dish and you're gonna guess <laughs> if it's good or bad and you're gonna tell us if it's good or bad right I, I can't we try we try right if if we see duck like you get you know I say good picking that out I say good 
I'll say good too. It's it's a good sign too. Okay. Well, you get crap. I was like, oh, your proposal is great. Here's crap. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, I, no crap. That doesn't mean that way. Because in China, it's actually hard to get seafood. Very good right. seafood. It's, most city, it's hard to get. So if the person actually serves you very, very good uh, dinner with seafood, it means that they do respect you right. and, and, and serves you quite an expensive dish. Uh-huh. So it's it's... it's how it's not about the dish sometimes it's all about the value of the dish right yeah because in china it's all about value it's all about transaction right Mm -hmm. me and you we we talk right but what is that what does this bring how much money does this bring then only i will talk to you so if i if i was taken to like a omakase yeah that's good respect that's good respect that's good value high value you value me this way Meaning, I can give you a little bit more. Yep. Yeah. So bring out to fine dining, like I'm marrying your kids. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but about about marriage, that's a different topic. That's another very very interesting topic. Right. Yeah. What about marriage? They're very different. Very different. Like the expectation of a marriage or the, the social construct of it. Everything is very different. Like for example, in a Western culture or even our culture, you get married. Most of the time, because you like that person, right? You like the person, you love this person, you thought, oh, maybe I can have a life with this person, build a family. That's generally our, our concept. But with them, it's all about value and transaction, right? For them, marriage is for a person to change their life, for both men and women, right? You can be marrying, uh, for, for men, you can be marrying a very, very, very high-quality woman. What I say mean high-quality mean can be a very good family background, or you can be a very, very influential person, can be a very successful person that can assist this man to be at a, at a different position in life. Wow. Yeah, so picking a man, picking a woman in your life is also very important, and they have a certain criteria for it. Yeah. But if you're a very influential man, you have everything in life. All I need is just a companion. Then they would know to lower their expectation. But I need to make sure this woman is good enough for me to bring out for all my business dinners to look really good. But it changes the life for that woman. It changes life for that woman. Correct. Correct. So it depends. Everything has a meaning to it when what they do. It's not just, oh, I fall in love with you. Just get married. No, it doesn't work that way. Wow. So a affluent man, would they still go for a high value? Yes, it depends. It depends what kind of affluent man. If that yeah. affluent man that runs this company needs a very high quality woman to chair as the next person with him all the time. So then you get a high profile marriage. Correct. Correct. High profile in terms of they will evaluate everything. Where did that woman go to school? Who's that woman's childhood friend? Who are their parents with? All these things play a role in their marriage. So then that, that must have created a lot of grooming when they're young, right? Like, oh, don't make friends with that person because, you know, then you will look bad. Mm. Don't, don't, don't be there. Don't do this. Yes, right. You never had that? You're in different circles. And if you're in this circle, you probably can't jump into the next circle if you're not. Maybe I'm on the other side. Like, I'm the one that the, the other parents say, <laughs> don't, don't mix with him. <laughs> 
I've, I've always had that, like, stop playing with that kid. Like, uh, you're going to get in trouble. Like, they're going to be bad influence or whatnot. Like, you know, like, look at you. You're an alcoholic at 12. Like, this is why <laughs> you shouldn't be hanging out with these kids. But it's so interesting, right? Parents always blame other people's kids for influencing their kids. Like, oh, don't mix with them because they are bad influence. Like, they've never thought about what if your kid is the influence to the other kid. Wouldn't want to, right? If your kid is an influence, that means the parent itself needs to reflect themselves. Like, what did I do? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, like, with with regards to the marriage in China, right? Is there anything that, for example, if I go over there, um, and you know, if I wanted to pick up someone, um, what would I need as a man? Okay, it depends who you want to pick up. Do you want to pick up a good quality one? Yeah. Or you just want to pick up somebody pretty? Good good quality sounds like we're picking fish from the market, right? Uh, I, feel, I feel like maybe I shouldn't use the word pick up. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, like, sorry, Mary. Like, what if Roger is there and tries to be in the dating scene? Okay, okay. Yeah. Then you gotta... <laughs> it's so funny. So Do I need a nice car? Yeah, men oh. in China need to showcase themselves as reliable, credible to afford that woman okay for the marriage and also for the kid and also for the woman's family right so it can be roger what's your uh qualification where you go to school okay uh what family background are you at um what's your job how much you earn what's your car where's your house and do you have any other assets that can be shared so these are all the things that they 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 look into if if i'm a parent with a daughter I want to know if you can make sure my daughter can be able to survive in this world in the next 30 years. Yeah. What, about my, what about my grandchildren? Can my grandchildren step up and uh, live a better life? It all depends on this, this man's yeah. criteria. It seems like an extreme version of, of a typical dating life, right? Because the same criteria will probably apply anywhere else around the world, mm-hmm. except you'll probably throw in some physical appearances, you'll probably throw in some fit, personality match but nope this is just physical appearances is just a tiny bit of the portion it's more than that so it's very funny how if you go and watch some Chinese drama or even ads they would like show the men bringing a resume to meet the parents of the the girl's parents it is the truth this is how the parents evaluate the guy I just saw like a TikTok where fuck I keep talking about TikTok like um (laughs) Douyin (laughs) Douyin yeah (laughs) Where the they were showcasing the dating market, the like marketplace, mm. where like people would have like signs. Mm-hmm. Parents and girls and guys would just have signs of like yeah. their resume. Or Mostly, or, is, is or a men. Yeah, yeah. 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 the parents like if I'm your mom, I will go with you to the park every weekend to showcase what my son is all about. Yeah. So the parent parents that come to the park can maybe take our phone number or your phone number mm. just to get to know my son. Wow, so you're auctioning or selling or promoting no, your you son. You have money to go pay for an agency to do that. You do it yourself. So let's go to the park every weekend. Right. I might have my son here. My son is like this and like this, like this. So your daughter should marry my son. It's like the fucking meat market. And there's a, Q- <laughs> and there's a QR code. Uh, maybe you put a QR code very big on the board or, or on your phone. And you want to scan? Scan my son's WeChat at, at him. Damn. So... <laughs> your face look like wow there's, there's no no romance like do, do people do people not meet in the past you know, they believe that romance can happen after the marriage 
if you if you can give my daughter a very good life, then romance can happen. That's that's very traditional, right? Like, so I read the book about like modern modern dating or modern romance, and in that book, like they talk about like how like how dating was back then, how like you know at least in the Western world, it's like you date uh, someone that's either within your neighborhood or within your same apartment building, right? And you get married and whatnot. Uh, and then for like at least for the Asian side, it's it's always been like you date to merge. I guess not date. I guess you married because you're merging two families assets. Compatible. It has to yeah, be yeah. in Chinese. They call it mentang hu dui. Mentang hu dui. It's like, basically match. What is it? What is it in English? Door mentang. It's like your house door and my house door has to be the same, and we have to match in order. Right, for two exactly. families to match. Just as big of a door, or just as big of a door. Oh, it's like the same social status. Same casta, same right. social economic <laughs> status, same background. People that share the same mindset, right. I would say. Right. Yeah. But I don't blame them though. I think you have to in their society to do that because I mean, it still makes sense even. Their their gap is too vast. Mm-hmm. People yeah. that are super rich and super uh, unfortunate or whatever it's, it's too big of a gap yeah. so imagine if you're here and you try to marry someone here what kind of topic or conversation are you going to talk yeah, about yeah life is going to be horrible can you manage yeah. their level of life and that's that's normal like even I guess in in Malaysia or in any other country I think it's very very similar I think we just have this notion of like romance mm. to kind of top it up right but like really like you're marrying someone because you vibe you get along with them or you know you've done quite a fair bit with them so you're on the same level ish yeah in a way I guess the whole Cinderella story or whatever doesn't really work out lah at the end of the day <laughs> yeah. okay because when you talk about marriage that's why they're so serious about all these things is that Disney over there in China <laughs> they don't watch Disney <laughs> so there's, there's definitely no Hollywood ending yeah childhood and our childhood is different yeah, yeah. what they watch is only the Ch- uh, China version of Cartoons. So what would that entail? What's what's the China version of cartoon? Like, if you do this, this is how you get rewarded. <laughs> don't do this. Oh, Cinderella, they go home at 10. <laughs> I, have no, I have no idea what's the content of their cartoons. Now. But let's think about how, how that translates when they become global citizens. Because today, they are opening up their doors. You know, people are flying around the world because they're rich. They, they can afford to, right? When they... When they go to the rest of the world, you see them in schools, you're talking about how this rich kids is in LA, you see them all around the world and they don't fit in because it's such a different culture that they were brought up in. Correct. And they probably want people to fit in them. Right. Right? That's why um, some of them, to be honest with you, some of them might not, yeah, they go to school, they speak English, they learn about it, but some of them until today, they either refuse to speak or they just can't, right? And they expect people to be able to converse in their language because they are such a global citizen, right? And they they have all the wealth in the world to just go into one place, conquer the world by buying 10 houses right away, uh, buy this land, buy this company. They can do that. I mean, they managed to go into Australia, buy so much land and kick Roger out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's a normal scenario in their society, sure. especially. Um, I think we chatted about this earlier just now, where because of uh, this whole great migration that is happening today, 
in the next five to ten years, you'll be seeing more and more Chinese people, especially wealthy Chinese people, around the world. More, more of them yep. hit around. Would I get laughed at? Like you spoke about language, right? Would I get laughed at in China if I spoke my version of Mandarin? No, no, no. They, they, they won't laugh at you. They for sure know that you're not from there, yeah. right? But they'll be curious. They're very curious. Like you're all Chinese, right? right. They're very curious. Like, What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh no, they'll be like, oh, which which generation are you from? Where is your ancestors from? Right. Um, they want to find out about that because for them, that's fascinating. Do you reckon I can get away with saying I'm Viet? Vietnam? Yeah, I'm from Viet. Yeah, they won't believe you, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Just use that, because that way, then like, if I speak broken Mandarin, at least like I can get away with it. But they will consider all of us are from the mainland, right? Yeah. Our ancestors are all from there, but they're just very curious, like how did your ancestors ran out from China and built another life over there? Wow, okay. Do you know which which part of China you're from? No idea. I have rough sense of Canton, oh, Guangdong. Oh yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. So you speak Cantonese. I speak at Cantonese home. at home. Yeah, I speak Hokkien at home. So probably from that like Fujian province. Yeah, yeah. Same. Really? Yeah, Fujian, Fuzhou. I think uh, Chinese overseas are mainly from the other side, like Yunnan. Fujian, Guangdong. Wow. Yeah, that's where the the people of our like three generations ago. Yeah, that's the great the great migration happened there yeah. in Southeast Asia. I don't even know where those those places are. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm I'm afraid to go back to China. Why? So to go back to to go to go. To China. <laughs> You're afraid to go to China. Why? 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 Why are you afraid? Because I can't speak Chinese and I'm just afraid of being judged oh. as like a failed Chinese. Like, what's wrong with you? How? Why can't you speak proper Mandarin? Like, well, oh, but I, I think you don't have to worry about that. They don't judge you that way. Remember that one time I had to pitch in Mandarin and we had to bring uh, Cheryl in? Yeah, yeah. Man, that was so bad. Like, they, they, they spoke mostly in Mandarin and like their Mandarin is like so different. So I only, un, only understood like 30% of it. I'm like struggling so hard to like say what I needed to say that that wasn't like mixed with like Malay or English um but yeah that was tough and like I couldn't even understand them like even though you know, I should be able to yeah, obviously because they have so many slang mm. and lingo that yeah. it, every single city and province have their sort of have their own language their own dialect yeah, yeah. not everybody speak very proper Mandarin yep yeah. So you reckon it would be okay to go over there to do business? Yeah, of course. Yeah. The ch- if the Chinese can go everywhere in the world, even to Africa, why can't we? Right? There's a, there's a mindset that we have to learn from them too, right? Imagine, they don't yeah. speak good English. Yeah. They probably don't really know much about other people, yeah. right? Other than themselves. But why can't they go all around the world? Or do they care, right? Do they care? Mm, true. Mm. Are you thinking about China? <laughs> I'm afraid. I'm, I'm so afraid of China. I don't know why. I feel like Indonesia. I'm like, yeah, Indonesia. I think I think you should go with me. I'll bring you around. Yeah, I feel like we should we should do we should do yeah. a safe a, a risk free trip with with Evelyn. Yeah. yeah, I'll bring you around to explore the businesses there. I, I feel like I'll be like culture shock as soon as I land. Like everything, like for yeah, I, I got that. I got that. So when I first traveling to the future. 
Uh, that's one, but... But backwards as well? No, I, I was quite... Like, like I, I just told you before, I was quite... Um, I'm not a skeptic, lah, but I just have this prejudice about them sometimes. Last time, lah. And um, when I remember, still remember, I think you remember this. I had, I went to China with my mom in 2016 or 17 for, for, for a holiday. So I was so like reluctant to go. I'm like, why do you want to go to China, man? It's so boring. Looking at Great Wall in China for what? You know, I don't get why my mom would want to do that. So that was the first time ever that I go to China in 2016. And I was like, wow. The moment I land, I was so fascinated by how big the highways are, how pretty the scenery <laughs> along the highway, while the boards, wow, everything is so like, like a second America, right. to be honest. So that's when the prejudice like mm-hmm. disappeared. Wow, it's exactly like LA. Like in the city, the, the, the market, it's actually like LA. I'm like, it feels like Chinatown. Yeah, it doesn't feel... That's when I know. Oh wow! Wait, that was your first time there. First. Oh, I thought you've been. First, two sixteen was my first. Okay, okay. Yeah, and I was fascinated. Then since then, I don't judge them anymore. <laughs> and I told my mom like, "Wow, thank God for you bringing me here. Like, I see it for myself now." Do you enjoy going to China now? Sounds like you do. Uh, at first I did. Okay. <laughs> at first I did. For the first few years of my career, I did. Um, after a while, I got tired of it maybe because it's always for work yeah one thing is always because of work and second thing is because of the culture change now right how they are so competitive nowadays they are very very dread uh it's called nadrin right you would yeah this face nadrin it's a it's a thing where everybody is worried about now in china so when i go to china nowadays it feels very packed. Like, I feel like a little sandwich, you know, packed in the Chinese society and in culture because the way they are, they don't really uh, value rules sometimes. Like, they don't queue up. They still, they still don't queue. They still, like a race rat for everything, even to get a coffee or go to the train station. But I still, I still... I still enjoy my thing. I still enjoy my trip because every trip just gives me different perspective, different thing to talk about, different thing to learn. Yep. Every single trip. Mm. Can't wait. I guess we need to do a trip then. We need to be in China. Yeah. yeah. All right. I guess that's all the time we have for this episode. Yes. Thanks. Thanks so much for joining us. Lovely to have you here. And lovely to welcome you back. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Soon, hopefully. Oh, Roger's hesitating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All thanks, right. guys. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, and maybe comment if you want. Or if you have any questions for Adeline, drop it down below. Yes. Thank you. See you in the next one. <laughs>